edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Ryan Labner, soon to be joined by Rex Hockert, who is in between trips. He was in Houston last week. He is on the road to Sea Island uh, in a couple of days before the start of the RSM Classic, the final PGA Tour event of the calendar year 2021. We made it, and it is a actually a, a decently big week in golf. You have the European Tour season finale in Dubai. You have the CME Group Tour Championship in Naples this week, and of course, the final event of the PGA Tour schedule in 2021. Before we get to all of that, a note from one of our sponsors in Callaway Golf. And Phil Mickelson put on a thrilling finish Sunday at the Charles Schwab Cup Championship. With the victory, Lefty has now won three times in 2021, highlighted, of course, by the historic major victory at the PGA Championship. He's also won four times in his first six starts on the Champions Tour. That's a pretty good win percentage. All of these victories have come with this trusted Chrome Soft X triple track golf ball featuring triple track technology, say that three times fast, for better putting alignment. This ball is built for fast ball speeds, exceptional feel, and tour level short game control. For more on Chrome Soft, visit CallawayGolf.com. Rex, thank God I handled that, Call- that Callaway read because I do not think you would be able to handle all of that alliteration since i just mentioned phil i just mentioned phil rex what was more impressive to you his win uh at the charles schwab cup championship or his appearance last night on the manning cast uh on espn2 for the monday night football game i mean i have to say the charles schwab championship just because of i mean it was an impressive performance and it 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 had my attention if i'm being honest i was in houston i was at that event and if i'm being honest i was more excited about what what was going to go on in arizona than i was in houston that's got nothing to do with the finish it just feel is captivating this season you're talking about a guy who hasn't done anything at least on the pga tour since winning the pga championship way back in may and so he didn't do anything before the pga championship either that's kind of what's most remarkable about it it was very much a one-off week and and look i i'm a huge fan of phil when phil is being phil and that was him you know, sending out tweets at midnight, talking about hitting bombs the next day, going into Sunday's final round. That's him on the Manning cast, which I think is wildly entertaining because I'm sure there are TV executives all over the landscape trying to figure out how to do a fill cast in golf. I mean, because if you think about it, if you're going to transition, He's he's doing it. He's doing it for the match next week. He is. He is. But I'm thinking more something along the lines of, can you imagine? At every major championship where there is a Phil cast, where it's Phil and I don't know who else you put in the booth with him, maybe Tim. That's the problem. Who's going who's gonna to be his – who's going to be riding shotgun with that, with the Phil show? Well, Peyton. Peyton Manning should be the one because you sit and you hear him talk I don't want to listen to Peyton's thoughts on golf. I want to I be entertained by Peyton. I do. It, it, this is about entertainment. And, and look, if you want to hear a deep dive, if you want to hear uh, you know, about the swing, if you want to hear about statistics – then turn on Golf Central Alive From, and Brandel Chambly does a wonderful job of that. If you want to be entertained as you get a spoonful of your golf on a Sunday afternoon with the Masters going on, put Phil and Peyton Manning in a booth. How entertaining would that be? See, so this is the problem, because I actually think we were headed in the direction of Phil being in the booth, right? Like he did that audition, 2020 PJ Championship. He went up in the booth with uh, Nick Faldo and Jim Nance, and everyone thought he was really entertaining. He was, he was dunking on Faldo on a couple of occasions. Everyone thought, boy, you know, this is, this is the future for Phil, even his longtime manager. Uh, Steve Loy came out and said, yeah, look, we've been talking to, to network executives. So it seemed like it, that was going to be not just a future, but like the imminent future. 
And then he goes out and wins the PGA Championship. And so that's actually prolonged a couple of, of things for Phil. I, I think it is not just prolonged his, his golf career. He's not going to be diving headlong into a broadcasting schedule. It's going to have 20 to 25 events. But I think he's still convinced that if he could do it once against the strongest major field of the year, why can he not do it regularly against the PGA Tour players who are younger, better, stronger, faster, longer, like everything. Like they are, they are, they, they have, they have passed Phil by. The evidence is overwhelming to suggest that. And yet he had, he had the most impressive victory this year by winning the PGA championship. So, so that's one thing. So it has kept him out of the broadcast booth, which I think would be wildly entertaining. And I actually think it has kept him from going full time on the PGA tour champions. I've, I've said it a number of times on this podcast that Phil should be all in on the senior circuit. Go be the senior goat. Go be the over 50 goat. Beat Hale Irwin's record. Don't just beat Hale Irwin's record of 45 all-time wins. Just obliterate it. Go in 50, 60, 70 times. I mean, he certainly has that win percentage going now. He has uh, youth on his side, relatively speaking, at 51 years old. He has his health on his side. He's in his, the best shape he's ever been. But that PGA, that PGA Championship victory, Rex, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a curse for us because it's keeping Phil out of the booth and it's keeping him from being the senior GOAT. Yeah, so he's under the impression now, and you're absolutely right. Like He wins the PGA Championship. He thinks that I can do this on a week-in and week-out basis, regardless of what his resume says, regardless of what every ounce of fact tell him, simply because since then, before then, he didn't do anything that was impressive. But I'll, I'll go back to the idea. And, and I will correct this. You're right. I don't think Phil is anywhere close to doing a 20, 25-week schedule in the booth going week in and week out. It's not a glamorous life. Like, this is not being a tour player. When Even if you're the lead analyst, it, it is not pretty. However, what I think he can see, and look, you take this Manning experiment for what it is, ESPN wanted the Mannings, and the Mannings didn't want to do that 15-week schedule. And so they said, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll stay at home. Omaha Productions will do this for us. And you'll continue to pay us and we'll create content. I can see Phil doing that. I can see him setting up studio in his house, getting comfortable every fr- Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of a major championship and turning this. He's going to be playing show. in the major championships. He's exempt for at least five years now. I mean, he's exempt uh, in the masters forever. He's exempt in the open until he's what? 60. He's going to be playing at least for two days. What is he going to do for the other two days? Hey, Oh, wow. Phil. That's too hard. Phil, we're sorry, my friend. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Rex, Rex clearly isn't. I'm, I'm clearly not. Uh, can I tell a TV story? So last week I, I was doing the interviews for the telecast, and but this goes along with what we're the conversation. Evan Tway, terrific interview. Uh, yeah, he's something special. Yeah, your boy Matthew Matty Wolf. He's a good interview. Like, of course he, he is. Yes. Uh, I thought Coke Rack was good. Uh, I almost got Martin Trainer to cry at one point. Like, come on, you got to take it. From I mean, Martin, Martin Trainer's the best. Was was the best story. Uh, on that leaderboard, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, since his win at the Puerto Rico Open in 2019, that was his 11th weekend play on the PGA Tour in 70. That is hard to do. That, that is, is hard really to hard to do. I mean, the only reason he was playing in Houston was because the tour extended his status for a year because of COVID. I mean, otherwise he would have been back on the Corn Ferry Tour or worse. And, and there are a lot of guys that can say that, but you're absolutely right on that front. And every time that I, I get the opportunity to work for the telecast, Steve Sands, who is the best in the business, in my opinion. I want to be very, very yep. clear about this. I have a monsoon of respect for him. He will text me 
and, and hey, give me a, hey, good job. You might want to do this. Like being very, very helpful, being very, very professional. And my patented text always, every time he does it is, your job's not hard. And of course, his job is hard. But it's, this is how we have fun. So Thursday, <laughs> the telecast comes up. I'm at the other end waiting to do interviews at the end of the day. Steve Sands welcomes the audience and immediately thanks all the veterans in the audience and thank you for your service. And then he goes into a lengthy and we want to give out a special thank you for your service to members of our staff, our Golf Channel staff who served in the military. And he goes through and I think he lists five people, a couple of cameramen, sound guy, lighting guy. His very next act as a professional broadcaster was to introduce me doing interviews down on interviews, Rex Hogard. He never named me as a better. It's fine. Ooh. I got no Don't problem. Don't you have a tattoo? I, I do have a tattoo, yes. I, and I have no problem with that. Steve Sands and I, like, trust me, this is not to point it out. But I see him the next day in the trailer as we're getting ready for our production meeting. And I was like, hey, let me ask you something. After you thank the veterans on our staff, your very next act as a professional broadcaster was to mention my name. Like, it never dawned on you. We've only known each other. For two decades it's fine like i trust me i don't i don't need to be mentioned in that breath i'm just curious where your mind was and of course he got sheepish and then he got defensive and so my response to him was it's fine don't worry about it i fought for everyone's freedom except for yours <laughs> i mean you, you should have sent him a text and said hey you might you might want to do this next time just a just a little professional courtesy i take uh, it back steve your job is hard yes uh steve sands uh friend of the podcast i think he's actually an ardent listener uh, of the podcast, right? Can you tell a story? I'm having uh, fuzzy uh, recollections. Steve Sands had one of the best moments of the year. Remember with the interview with Rory uh, at Torrey Pines when they showed mistakenly uh, a child who appeared to be like two or three years old yes. on the balcony with Erica? Do you can you pick the story up from there? I'm having a fuzzy recollection of what Steve Sands actually said, but I but I uh, lost it. And it. I- I'm going to get this wrong. And in Steve's defense, I think someone got in his ear and said, hey, we have a shot of Erica and of the, course, yeah. the new baby who it, it, it's a girl. Uh, I believe her name is Rose, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it was very much a newborn at that point. I don't think the baby should have been more than a month or two old. No, 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 they, no, 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 no. You have a you have a backwards. You have a backwards. The baby was like two or three. And and I would know since I have a almost three year old like it was. It, all right. I think you don't now. Now it's actually coming back to me. I'm going to pick up the story. Go ahead. Okay. So it's Erica on this balcony and there's like a three-year-old on the balcony too. And they sent it down to, to, to Steve Sands who's staying with Rory and Sands, he said something along the lines of, you know, how special is it to be able to get into contention at the U S open knowing your young family is here as well. And Rory is squinting into, into the camera, <laughs> looking at the, the feedback. And I mean, he, he doesn't want to embarrass Sands at this point because it's clearly not Steve Sands's call to to put that image up on the screen. He goes, "Huh, that's definitely not that's definitely not him." But it is it is very nice to have Poppy Poppy here with me, who at the time couldn't have been more than eight or nine months old. Yes. And then when they get when they when they end the interview, he Rory said something along the lines of, "Boy, they they say they grow up quick, and you, you're going to miss <laughs> a lot out out here on tour." But, but that's like a three year old man, and he, they were just giving each other. Uh, a very hard time. Steve Sands, friend of the podcast. I know you're listening. Uh, that is one of my highlights of 2021. I was actually killing, absolutely killing myself uh, just because someone did not know uh, what an eight month old looks like. Uh, Rex, this is not necessarily the smoothest uh, transition, but since you did bring up Phil winning on the senior tour, maybe perhaps not coincidentally, uh, there was some news that you helped break uh, over the weekend with this introduction potentially 
of this new international invitational series during the fall portion of the PJ Tour schedule. Clearly, this wow, you're is struggling a, to name this, aren't you? This is clearly a I mean there is no name for it, but there there is no doubt about it that this is a reaction to the Super Golf League, Saudi Golf League, Premier Golf League proposals of big money, big superstars, limited fields. Can you shed some light uh, for us listeners uh, of what the PGA Tour is potentially going to propose? And I did not break it. I was chasing on this one. Associated Press broke it first, and then Golf Week did a more deeper dive on it this week. And what I wanted to do, I started out doing, I just wanted to get player reaction because what they're talking about, and you're absolutely right, there isn't a way to to name it. I just refer to it as a new series that the tour is considering in the fall. And look, you're you're right. This is a direct response. This, the PIP, the Play 15, get 50 grand. I mean, you can keep going on and on. Money is falling out. 50 grand ain't going to cut it. Uh, no, no, but if you're if you're a guy, uh, I mean, we just mentioned Martin Trainer. You don't think uh, after the year he had that he didn't appreciate getting fifty grand just for playing fifteen events? Like there, there sure. are people on the PGA Tour that that will appreciate that. Rory is not one of them, and the the players that the Saudi Super League is are targeting, they certainly don't care about fifty grand. I don't know how much they really care about the pit money. I mean, they're because what the money that's been reported is vast amounts of generational wealth. This isn't a good payday. This is generational wealth. What the tour is proposing, though, and I certainly understand where they're coming from, I guess what I wanted to dig into, it's guaranteed money. Like, we're not dancing around it anymore. For decades now, the tour has danced around the idea that they do not hand out appearance fees or guaranteed money of any type. Well, that's not entirely true. You had ambassadorships for players who would just show up at events that normally they wouldn't play, but because they were sponsored by the, the sponsor of this particular tor- tournament. New Orleans comes to mind. The RBC Canadian RBC, Open, yeah. RBC those. Heritage. Those immediately come to mind because it all kind of falls under that same farmer's insurance umbrella. I will go back to, but the tour always sort of hid behind the idea that that's not a true appearance fee. So what they're talking about now is, is handing out cash where there would be four or five, six events in the fall. A couple of them played in the U.S., a couple of them played internationally. To be clear, I talked to two people who have been briefed on what the tour is thinking, and both of them said the same thing, that there aren't any real details right now. The tour is really just spitballing. They're just trying to blueprint something and see. It almost seems like a trial balloon. They're, they're floating yes. out there to see how the public's going to receive this. They're throwing things on the wall and seeing which ones it, you know, the, the top players like. And, and again, a direct response to what is going to be what is a very real threat from the Saudi Super League. So you would have these four, five, six events, and the players would be paid based on how they finished the previous season, probably on the FedEx Cup points list. And if you're number one on that list, let's say you get a million dollars. And if you're two, you get $950,000. And you keep going down to whatever it is they decide on top. Guaranteed just to show up. That's what you're saying? Yes, just to show up. And then there would also be a competitive element to these events where there would be, I don't know, $10 million purses, $20 million purses that they would be playing for, as well, the traditional model. Now, there's a lot of moving parts with this. The one, the two that kind of stood out to me was one, the pay structure, which I just kind of explained. And the other one is, and this has been Phil's deal all along, that Phil hates playing in the fall. He doesn't think he should have to play tour golf in the fall. He feels like the fall is when he should go out and and play in these matches like he's going to like or like he's been doing in the past and play in silly season events and make a lot of money. And traditionally, that's really been the deal until these fall series events came up. 
they have come up with a scenario and I, it's going to go through a lot of different iterations, but the idea is let's say the top 60 off the previous year's FedEx list move into this new series of free money, big, big events, and then 61 through 125. And then all the corn Ferry tour guys that graduate under the tour, they then compete in their own category in the fall events, which there's nine fall events. Now I'm just talking about the Houston opens. And Bermuda so those would essentially be opposite field events. Essentially. RSM classics. Yes. But they would be locked into that category, which means if you're 120, you finished last year, 125, you could improve your number all the way up to 61, where one through 60 is locked in until January 1st when you go to Maui. So you could sweep every single fall event and you'd, and you'd still be 61. That was that. Yes, that's what they're thinking about here, because they want to protect the top players and they want to reward the top players. So this is the scenario they've come up with. Again, details are very this is a very fluid situation and what i kind of wanted to get to not so much breaking the story was to hear what players thought of this because this is a and i've said this before this is a change to the dna of the pga tour and i went to a very specific type of player in that story you pointed it out before that we came up on the podcast and it was james hahn and it was jim herman and it was joel, joel Dahman. and almost to a man they all said yes the top players should get paid and i think everyone has realized that this is a real threat and that the tour has to protect the product. And the product is the Roy McElroy's and the Brooks Kepkas and the Bryson DeChambeau's of the world. And if that requires them to, again, fundamentally change who they are, that's fine. There is a level of concern because as you just pointed out, the RSMs and the Bermudas and the Houstons of the world become opposite field events. And I don't think you need to be a business major to realize that that's probably not going to be cool for the RSMs of the world. They probably I mean, those are those are really going to be amped up corn ferry tour events, yeah. essentially. I mean, they're going to have to fill those fields if you want to have 132 players or 144, whatever the case is going to be. You are guaranteed to not have any superstars in those fields. And that's a really By tough for a sponsor. Yeah, it's yeah. not even a choice. And I pointed out yeah. that last week's field in Houston it, it had a better strength of field based on the world ranking than any event on the West Coast this year. So it's not as though the Houston Opens of the world, and certainly you can look back to those two Vegas events, the CJ Cup and the Shriners, and you look at that strength of field and look at the players that showed up for that. Good players. Rory showed up for that. Brooks showed up for my, that. I mean, my, Coba, my Coba was a good field. Yeah. Bermuda was not very good. RSM is not going to be as good as Houston, but you're still going to have your handful of Webb Simpsons and Zach Johnsons of the world because of their connection to Sea Island. They, the fall events have made it work. And what this is probably going to do if this does come to fruition, whatever this false new series is going to look like in the fall for the stars, it's going to unravel that. And whatever is left is not going to be anything close to what it is. So a couple things that we can explore further here. And we talked, I think it was last week's podcast. I mean, the PJ tour has always prided itself on being the ultimate meritocracy. Like you are what you earn on the golf course, but in 2021 soon to be 2022 like these are these are changing times and i think we've we've seen the trend over the past couple years i mean athletes are empowered now they're they're enlightened now they understand their worth in the marketplace probably better than ever before and so these athletes whether it's in the nba or the nfl they're putting pressure on whether it's team owners or league officials to react and bend some rules to accommodate the superstars and not necessarily the rank and file 
players in those given leagues. I, I put it this way in, in Monday's scramble yesterday, and there's no disrespect to Ben Silverman, but Ben Silverman and Bryson DeChambeau are peers on the PGA Tour, but they are not equals. They do not bring in the same amount of revenue. They do not generate the same amount of hand interest. They do not create the same amount of entertainment value. The PGA Tour should not treat those two players equally, whether that means giving Bryson DeChambeau a million dollars or $10 million, I don't know, but they should not be starting at the same point as zero. And I think this scenario that you're laying out here with the international series, invitational series, whatever you want to call it, plus things like the PIP or plus things like this $50,000 bonus, we're starting to get in the direction where you're going to have a delineation between the haves and the have nots. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to create this type of scar of, of star schedule. I think the tour needs to lean into the dozen or 15, you know, bold face, big names and not always just rely on the ethos of, Hey, you know, the top 125 players can win any, any given week. And, you know, anyone out here is great. Like I just, I just don't think that's, realistic in this modern age of sports and i think bend the rules is understating it i think they intend to break the rules over their knee because again i i think i agree with you bo jackson style i was yes bo jackson style and i think most players like i said james hahn was probably the most interesting person i spoke to only in as much as he is a a, a, on the policy board he's one of the player directors that was rex that was a damning when i read that quote in his quote i've got it pulled up right now what we have right now the product isn't working in the fall that's a direct quote rex he is a player director on the policy board of the pj tour and he is saying outright on the record that what is happening with this current setup on the pg tour is not working that was it was a damning indictment and there were a couple of them. That one stood out to me. And I don't know that he's wrong on, on some level. Again, I'll go back to the business model of for everyone who has screamed in the past that the fall series should go away, name me another business that just decides, you know what, we have successful products here, but we don't need them. We have even better products over here. So we're going to ignore this product. Why would you turn your back on the RSMs of the world? If they are willing. That's just bad business. It's just bad business. So I, I get where Phil and the rest of them are coming from. This is. I think what James was trying to get to was just the concept of we need to be a star-driven tour. Now, where that leaves, I don't know where you get to that middle ground between being a member organization that's there to create playing opportunities and being realistic in the modern age, knowing, as you just pointed out, there's 15 names that need to be in bold, and you need to take care of those 15 names. So it's going to be a, a balancing act. And I will say this, that as encouraging as this is for the tour to at least be thinking along these lines now, publicly, pretty much thinking along these lines now. It's not a, a bidding war they want to get into. We all know that. We all know that all it's going to take is for the Super League to add one more zero to whatever it is they're offering to these star players. Because as successful as the tour is, and they are flush with new TV contract money, and you can tell there's a $20 million purse at the Players' Championship, and $40 million fell out of the sky for this PIP program, all of these things, they cannot compete with the Super League because we know the money that's behind them, which is mind-boggling that the tour would be in a position where they can't get in a bidding war, but that's exactly the position they're in. I mean, comp- competition is good for any business. I don't care whether it's Golf Channel, PJ Tour, you know, lawn services, whatever the case may be. Like Competition 
uh, your brings more competition and makes your lawn guys sure just showed up. I'm, yeah. star- I'm staring at him uh, right now. I, so I think that's a positive thing. I mean, the PJ Tour, if you want to get down to it, they could go on the opposite ends of the spectrum and completely blow up this model. I was talking this through with, with Mercer Bags, our, our, our editor of GolfChannel.com. I mean, I think there, there actually could be an appetite for the PJ Tour to be for 75 players. Because when you think about it, have a, have a schedule of, of 20 to 25 hardcore events that you know everyone in that top 75 is going to show up for. I'm talking the Tories, the Rivieras, the Memorials, uh, the, the Country Opens, like the, the, the Canadian Opens. Like Have a schedule of 20 to 25 events. Have it for the top 75. You would create so much more interest because then the Corn Ferry Tour would be super loaded of really talented players who want to get to that next level. You would have so much more drama with the promotion and relegation aspects for top 75, because then it's way more cutthroat. You're when you, when you get down to Wyndham championship in the final event of the regular season, it's not guys who have maybe had one top 10 finish who are trying to finish inside top 20 top in the top 125. You're talking about guys who have had three, four top tens who are, who are battling out to make sure that they're playing on the biggest stage. The PJ Tour, if they wanted to, and I don't think they necessarily want to, could go all the way on that opposite end of the spectrum. And I do think that there is an appetite for that. What this international invitational series on the surface, it doesn't seem to me, Rex, all that much different than what happened with the introduction of the FedEx Cup. When the FedEx Cup was introduced in 2007, the theory was that you wanted to make the end of the season a little bit more appealing, make sure all the big stars are playing, but you also wanted to end before the collective attention of the sports world turn to football. What is a little bit head scratching to me with this invitational international series is like, no one's going to be tuning. No one's going to be shifting your attention away from Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady on Sunday afternoons to watch um, you know, some event in, in Abu Dhabi. Like that's just not, that's just not going to happen, but this is the only way it seems that you can appease the stars during a, a time of year that traditionally that they're either don't want to play or, or don't play. I mean, to your point and this, this quote from James Hahn uh, wasn't in the story, but I think this, this kind of goes to what, what you're saying. And, and James was clear. He was not talking to me as a member of the policy board. These are just his personal opinions. And I tried to point that out in the story. But when I asked him about the fall events, he said they serve a purpose. But, quote, it doesn't appeal to the top players in the world. The purpose is for more starts for the Corn Ferry Tour guys, just so we can hit a number, so we can say you had 25, 24 events to keep your card, and it's a level playing field. It's just a number. But those guys don't drive our tour. I think that's a wrong reason to have a golf tournament just to allow the bottom half of our tour membership to get starts. I think it's very, very Yikes. clear. Yikes. That one didn't make it into the column somehow. Yes. Maybe I need to go back and edit a little bit. Um, and again, he was speaking just his own opinion, and it was not lost on him after I turned the recorder off that, look, I know I'm talking about myself. He understands that he is right there on the edge of being outside or inside of whatever number, let's say top 75. Like you just said, if it becomes a top 75 tour, he's right there on the edge. There's going to be tons of people who are right there on, on the edge. But I think it gives you doesn't that make doesn't that make it more compelling, the more cutthroat it is? Well, I think relegation and promotion is all you need to go to. To answer your question, yes, I, I'm not a big Premier League fan, but every year there's a team that 
gets relegated and a team that gets promoted. Yeah, like I don't understand how it works, but I watched I watched Ted Lasso and it seems interesting but it's for to me. Vast amounts of money. I mean, yeah. we're talking about the difference between being a successful team that makes money and being broke. And I think if you did the same thing in golf, and look, I think if you moved in this direction, there were warnings that I did get from players when the recorder was turned off that if we do create this, you're always going to have the possibility that we're just going to eat our own, that you're going to create a system that is so closed that it doesn't matter how good you are coming out of college, that you, you do not have an opportunity to move into that top 75 or top 60, whatever number. You better, you better play well on the Corn Ferry Tour. I mean, don't you want the PJ Tour to be as competitive and as uh, compelling a product as possible? I mean, you look at some of the names who are in, in the mix in Houston, and would you, would you miss them if they weren't on the PGA Tour? Like, we're not going to name names on this podcast. I would. Like, would, you, would, you, would you miss them on the PGA Tour? I mean, name me a name. I mean, some guys I probably will miss, some guys I probably won't, if I'm being honest. I mean, I'm talking to have them on a leaderboard vying for a title on the biggest, best tour, golf tour in the world. Would you be upset if a Kevin I'm not gonna pick on Joel or Damon Cameron Tringali? Well, no, it's no, Damon. I'm not going to pick on it's Joel Damon. It's yes. Damon. You can't even pronounce his name right. Joel how are Damon. you going to miss him? Uh, I am going to miss him because I do miss personalities. And let's face it, he, has, he is very much a – But Joel a, Damon a can be inside the top 75. Like, he can. Why, so can why, Jason why couldn't Kokrak. he? So can Jason Kokrak. He's a top 25 player in the world. Of course, he's going to be inside the top 75. Yes. I mean, he's won twice this year on the PGA Tour, regardless of what you think about the events he's won. But uh, he's won three times overall on the PGA Tour. I'm saying you could trim the fat on the PGA Tour, and I don't think anyone would notice. And in fact, I think it would improve the PGA Tour product, and it would definitely boost the Corn Ferry Tour product. Like, you look at the players who are coming out there, and they're largely 25 or younger, like these these college hot shots like Sahith Fagal, your boy, like they're coming out and they're uh, being competitive right away on the PGA tour. Like, I think even infusing that with some of these, these more journeyman players on the PGA tour only strengthens that tour. So when they actually do break inside this theoretical top 75, they're ready to, they're ready to compete and they're ready to have long prosperous careers on the best, best, biggest tour in the world. I don't disagree with that. And again, I think we're moving in that direction. If, if you take what James said and you take just overall support. When I talked to Joe, when I talked to Jim Harmon, when I talked to other players, they all were like, yes, the stars need to be compensated. Like, let's, let's come up with a way that we're closer to what they do in other sports with the guaranteed money, with making sure that we don't lose our stars to what has become a very real threat. Everyone's in agreement with that. It's a very slippery slope. Was, was one line that came up quite often. And the tour was going to have to be very careful on this, much more careful than they were with whatever the pip is. Like the, that was meat handed. It wasn't thought out well. It wasn't received well. It's being mocked. That's not what you want. You, they need to spend some time and do this right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm sure this will be uh, a big topic uh, for one of our end of season podcasts when we're looking at uh, storylines of 2021 and certainly looking ahead to 2022 when we get some more concrete details on whatever this is going to look like, whether there's some sort of team component, which I think could be fun, um, you know, what the fields are going to be shaping out to be. Like, I just think, um, as you mentioned in the column repeatedly, uh, details uh, are not yet concrete. Uh, there are a couple of Notable events being played this week, uh, really the last big 
uh, week in golf, even though you are going to be a Tiger Soiree in the Bahamas. Tiger TBD, whether he's going to make an appearance there or give a press conference, I sure hope uh, that he does after the year that he had. Uh, the European Tour season finale, soon to be called the DP World Tour, uh, the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai this week. Roy McElroy uh, headlines the field. John Rahm, the world number one, number three in the race to Dubai standings, opting not to play in the season finale, saying he needs to recharge his batteries for 2022. That's certainly a big blow to the tournament, but it's hard to fault him uh, after the trials and tribulations that he has had. Uh, this year, just the incredible golf that he has played. He certainly deserves a break. And on the LPGA, you have an incredible battle, Rex, for Rolex Player of the Year, world number one, Nelly Corda, the most accomplished, decorated American woman since Stacey Lewis in 2012 with four wins, plus the Olympic medal uh, that you watched in Tokyo, is just now 10 points ahead of her competition for player of the year. Jin Young Ko is right there. Also has four wins on the LPGA this year. Everything is up for grabs this week in Naples. What are you most looking forward to the European tour season finale or the LPGA season finale? I did find, and again, being in Houston, it seems like my attention was sort of divided uh, because they did the hole-in-one with the Lamborghini thing last week on the LPGA tour. And I, I was kind of curious. The insurance, the insurance for that has just got to be astronomical. Yes, I'd have to sell the car as soon as they gave it to me. I couldn't afford it. But if I'm being honest, Dubai, I mean, you want to see how Rory plays. You want to see. I, I think it's interesting that you you have your Billy Horschels of the world who have stuck their toe. Mr. Toe Mr. European Tour. Mr. European Tour, who stuck their toe in, in, in that pond. And they, he seems to be having success on this level. And there seems to be a reason to get on the plane. And look, I don't blame John Rahm for not making the trip. When you just said that, it dawned on me that we're talking about having – four, five, six events in the fall with guaranteed money, and yet you have a player, John Rahm, of his statue that, okay, I'd rather sit at home. So I'm just curious, like, are we even sure if we come up with this magical new series that pays the, the, the it's best It's got to be a lot of money. Like, it if you're, if you're guaranteeing these guys $100,000, I don't think they're going to make it. That's barely covering their private jet fees. Uh, yeah, so I, I, it gives you an idea of what the tour is up against. But no, it, I, I'll be watching Dubai uh, with one eye on Dubai and the other one on the, my fifth major, the RSM Classic at Sea Island Golf Resort. Uh, Rex, Rory to me is the most compelling story uh, this week on the men's side. Uh, at least last time we saw him, he won at the CJ Cup, which ended a pretty, uh, I was called a, a strange uh, 2021 year. I mean, it was essentially a lot of highs. You had the, the out of nowhere win. At Quail Hollow, obviously you had the win in Vegas. You had, uh, he was tied for the lead with nine holes to go at the U.S. Open. But you also had a, a bunch of, of moments that he, he clearly just looked lost. I mean, he was not in the mix in three of the four major championships. He was benched for the first time in his career at the Ryder Cup. He had that emotional breakdown after his singles victory over Xander Shoffley. But overall, it was a, a really disappointing week for both him uh, and the European side at the Ryder Cup. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, he said that he has gone back to working exclusively with his childhood coach, Michael Bannon, just kind of trusting the player, the feels, the swing, the man that's got him to be the best in the world uh, at several points in his career. So I'm curious to see if he can build off of that. He's also going to play Tigers event, but really springboard into 2022 Uh with a lot of confidence on the LPGA side. I do think that this is a, a really interesting story. I mean, this is, this is building to be the best possible finish. You have this rivalry building between 
clearly the two best players uh, on the LPGA Tour, Nelly Korda and Jin Young Ko. They've each won four times. They've each, Nelly Korda won her first major championship. Jin Young Ko has, has really um, been, been ascendant of late over the past couple of months. Here's the interesting thing. So Nelly Korda is up by 10 points. A season-ending victory in Naples is worth 30. A runner-up is worth 12. And Jin Young Ko is a defending champion. So there's going to be a lot of math. It reminds me of the Steve, Sand day, Steve Sands days with the, with the whiteboard, the trying to yeah. figure out how the, how the points are going to uh, uh, be determined that way. After what we saw, Rex, with the PGA Tour Player of the Year vote this year going to Patrick Cantlay and not, to my surprise, to John Rahm, I'm not sure I dislike having the point system uh, reward the LPJ player. Of the year. How, how do you feel about that? You like a point system or you like a player vote? Uh, no, I like a point system much more because, again, this goes to like had what were they thinking? I want to know the vote totals. Like how close was that can't lay ROM vote? Like I, my guess is it was very close. And who, how many guys voted? Like, what percentage of the actual tour players voted? So if you have something that's based on points, now this, is, this can get a little silly because I, I kind of watched this from afar. Wasn't there an issue with, with their Varden trophy a, a couple of weeks ago, the LPGA? Yes, they, they do not have the top players do not have enough eligible rounds to qualify for that award, which is a big deal. I mean, it helps. It's one of those... Um, uh, key key figures that that helps for LPJ Hall of Fame purposes. So like to have the Nelly Cordes and Jin Young Ko's of the world not be eligible for that is is kind of a big deal. Yeah, so I think you can get a little silly sometimes with with those types of things. But I like the idea from a competitive standpoint of saying, okay, these are the numbers. You know, you are what you what your numbers say you are. In this particular case, it's very clear. Like if you win, if you finish second, you know what you need to do to, to win the Player of the Year event. I mean, trophy. Yeah, I kind of like it. Uh, Rex, what are you looking forward to with your fifth major in Sea Island real quick? Uh, I think it's got a good field. Webb Simpson is back. I certainly want to see how he plays. And I had a chance to talk with Adam Scott a few times last week in Houston. He seems to be trending in the right direction. I was a little surprised that he's playing the RSM Classic. But there, there's some players in that field that have, will have my interest. Uh, I look forward to next week's podcast since this is the final PGA Tour event of the calendar year. We're going to be handing out some awards, some no-brainer ones like uh, player and biggest disappointment and tournament, those types of things, but also some silly ones. Rex and I are going to put our heads together uh, and hopefully have a very compelling uh, podcast next week before the really? Thanksgiving we holiday. Have we joke. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have fun. And then we'll be giving you guys podcasts uh, throughout the month of December. We're doing some themed podcasts, Rex, uh, some anecdotes from our uh, – from our days on the road in 2021, what we're looking forward to 2022 in terms of trends, topics, and other assorted minutiae. Well, thank you guys for listening to this bloated version of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. He's Rex. I'm Ryan. We will talk to you guys next week.